Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, I had lots of different topics I've been looking at this week, uh, a lot of communications with people all across the country, actually around the world, and uh, of course, there's a lot going on in the news. I wanted to get to our study on Zephaniah and Galatians and Titus and Acts, and I'm still working on uh, Acts. There's a lot... To uh, in the context, context of that uh, book of the Bible that tells about the Acts of the Apostles that should just jump out at you if you actually understood, you know, what was going on in history at that time, what, uh, what the words meant that they were using in the writing of these uh, Acts and Epistles. Uh, like I said before, Paul uses words that never even existed anywhere else in Greek literature because he was describing the process of the kingdom of God and the, uh, and the, uh, workings of the kingdom of God in relationship to the gospel of Christ. Uh, some people don't like that. Uh, we have a program that comes on before our afternoon show that, uh, often talks about how Paul is, uh, you know, a false teacher and an apostate and uh, they're kind of Messianic uh, uh, Jews. Uh, they're not really Jews. They're, they consider themselves Christians, but Messianic Jews are people who want to do the old Torah and uh, yet profess Christ. And Paul gets in the way of that. The problem is, is most people's view of the old Torah is false. Just as at the time of Jesus Christ, those people calling themselves Pharisees were considered to be, their interpretation of the Torah was considered to be a fiction and a fraud. And of course, Pharisees over a long period of time have changed from what they were before Christ, what they were at the time of Christ, and what they may be today. And uh, there's all this is usually due to a great deal of misunderstanding of words, both Hebrew words, Greek words, English words, and understanding their context in history. And I, I don't know if I'll get to it in this show, but in a communication with uh, one of the congregates in another uh, country, uh, he was asking questions, and I actually reviewed that about 1.30 last night. <laughs> And he had asked a question, and I said, oh, that was that was just too complicated to answer in a message uh, typing with uh, my uh, cell phone. <laughs> so I, I said that uh, you know, we'll have to save that for uh, a show. And, of course, I've actually covered this, and basically his first question had to do uh, with... Uh, when I started seeing all these things that I'm sharing with you on uh, videos and audios and, and the web pages at Preparing You, uh, you know, what was that course that I followed in doing this and what was that like and etc. And basically it all started with a simple idea that I couldn't figure it out. 
that I'm not a genius, that I, I did not have a clue. I knew there was something wrong. Lots of people out there today know something's wrong. And uh, there's a lot of people out there trying to tell you what's wrong. And uh, they tell you lots of different things. But unfortunately, a lot of the things that they tell you are also wrong. <laughs> so, And uh, we're going to go over some of the, that, not the specifics so much in that case, but uh, really, you, you're either eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you're eating of the tree of life. And if you're a genius, you're more likely to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which was a, another whole topic that I had uh, put aside earlier in the week to talk to you about. And we may get to that eventually another time. Uh, but it uh, it was in a conversation with some home churches who, uh, one of them in particular, d- doesn't like what I add to that group. <laughs> so, and, and I'm all for home church, but I'm not for isolated home churches. I'm not for emotionalism in churches. Uh, you should have emotions, but your emotions shouldn't have you. And, and we're going to cover a little bit of that as a part of the theme of what this show will be about. But uh, it was, you know, I have this in notes, spirits versus mind. And uh, that's really the tree of life versus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the fact is the emotions will... Keep you both from the tree of life and a clear understanding of the facts in in your mind. We see that with the the radical socialism and uh, and some of the uh, progressivism that we see coming out of the Democratic Party today, and even in the Republican Party, and even in the church. And that's another topic uh, that uh, what of this. Uh, uh, this uh, Christianity that is progressive, the progressive Christianity that is being pushed in lots and lots of different churches. And uh, I listened to a lecture uh, given by a particular pastor. I won't mention his name because I'm still going through the transcript of that uh, you know, sermon, I guess you would call it, that he gave and putting it together in a, in a webpage uh, so that you can understand... Uh, what uh, he's missing when he is trying to explain to you what you're missing about Christian progressivism. Uh, because, uh, and this is actually what we'll, we'll cover in some of today's, is the fact that the, uh, we're going to mention the Democratic Party and we're going to mention the Republican Party. And uh, the Republican Party is missing some of the essential elements that it needs to overcome some of the things that the Democratic Party is embracing now because that, that party has changed. This is a, kind of the, also part of that theme is that there were Pharisees before Christ, there were Pharisees at the time of Christ, and there were Pharisees after, that even followed Christ. Uh, so... The, these titles and these names that we put on people uh, can be uh, a huge distraction to understanding the people themselves. You have to look at people not by their group, but by as individuals. 
You have to be forgiving of those things that they do not see. You know, if if you're you're standing somewhere and somebody bumps into you and knocks you forward, or maybe even knocks you over, you start to get up and you think, like, what the heck are you doing? And then you see he has a white cane. And he can't see. And so suddenly, you well, okay, you can be a little forgiving. Because <laughs> he has this built-in excuse. But, uh, uh, which actually reminds me of, I knew a guy who was uh, at a, at a cheese dispensary at a supermarket and he was his friend was trying to tell him about this cheese and that cheese and he was standing there with these dark sunglasses that and he had his head out straight all the time so like he wasn't looking down at the cheeses and the guy would hold them up and tell them and hold it to his nose so he'd kind of smell and other customers were coming by trying to give him advice about different cheeses. Everybody was very patient with him because he was supposedly this blind guy. Well, he wasn't blind. He was totally faking it. I went to school with this guy. He just had a crazy sense of humor. And then eventually he just reached down and said, well, I think I'll take this one and this one. And uh, he walked away. <laughs> and the people that had gathered around to help him find the cheese, they suddenly realized, what? He's not blind. <laughs> they were completely had. And that's unfortunately what's going on in the news today is people are getting completely had. But part of that is because we've been completely had for a long time about a lot of things. And so this road that I started on where I'm uncovering the meaning of the Bible, I went to, I was studying the Bible when I was a small child. Uh, I was attending St. Joseph's College. Uh, when I was 13, 14 years old, uh, studying the Greek and the Hebrew and the Latin. And uh, I did not understand the Bible until I admitted I could not figure it out myself. And I stopped eating from the tree of knowledge. Although, now I go back, do all this research... And put all this information down, which adds to the branches of the tree of knowledge, which I am cultivating, because the tree of knowledge is not a bad thing. It was put in the garden. It's just not what you're supposed to be eating from. It has a place, it has a value, but it is not what you're supposed to be eating from. And if you climb up into the tree of knowledge with emotions expect to fall and break your arm. <laughs> because that is not the way to go. You need to get into the eat of the tree of spirit. The tree of life. Yeah, that's what God breathed into Adam. was life. And that is this tree of life. And that's what Jesus breathed into the apostles when he came out of the tomb. And he says received the Holy Spirit and just breathed on them. Didn't say anything. Didn't give them any information. Just breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's what you need. I give you lots of knowledge, but I don't want you eating of it. And I've seen guys come, and I've I've warned some of our ministers of this, and I have to be careful because I can't tell you too much. Because then you, you, people will imitate it. And I would hear people imitating exactly what I, I said. 
you know, maybe months later, and they're imitating it. And I realized they're eating of the tree of knowledge. And, and the smarter the guy, the more likely he is to do that. And that's not what you want to do is being, you know, memorizing. You cannot memorize the truth. Because the truth is something that flows all the time. It's moving in motion all the time. Like the future, like the past. Uh, our perception of the past. It, it changes with the moment. When I looked at, you know, Paul talks about that, you know, look at things as a child, you see with the child's eyes, and then you look at things as a Pharisee, he sees with the Pharisee's eyes, and then he looks at things after the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and he sees things differently. That's where you want to get to. Now, you you can study and learn. But, you know, the like we've said, the, the one place where it says study to show thyself approved, that word is not the word for study. It's never translated study anywhere else. It's the word for be diligent. It's the doing of the word that will give you understanding. It is not the studying of the word. Because the studying is over there in the tree of knowledge. But the doing may be... From the tree of life. It may be from faith. It may be from hope. It may be based on cherry. But in the doing you will find that out. Because it will reveal itself. And of course one of the chief things you need to do is be still and know. That God is God and you are not. You cannot figure this out. You cannot decide this of your own accord. Doesn't mean you don't study. Doesn't mean you don't learn things. It doesn't mean you don't listen. It, it, what it means is that your guiding light must be from the Holy Spirit, not from your own intellect. So with that, let's proceed to fill your intellect with a lot more information. One thing I did want to mention is that uh, uh, Russia has uh, just wiped out 30% of the value of the dollar in your pocket uh, this last week. Because uh, it is uh, monetizing its oil in rubles and monetizing its rubles in gold. Uh, about 5,000 uh, rubles uh, per gram, I think is what it comes out to. I, I don't remember. All, I'm not going to do all the math in my head. But uh, what are, there's, there's so many grams in an ounce, a troy ounce of uh, gold. And so, anyway, that that's going to undermine the U.S. dollar by a considerable amount uh, because it has uh, kind of a domino effect through the economies of Germany and, and the countries that depend upon the oil that is coming from Russia and the gas that's coming from Russia to fuel their countries. Uh, and so, anyway... They, they will, they're not necessarily going to be dumping dollars because they know it's a collapse of the world economy. And there's all kinds of things they can do to offset this. But, uh, the demand for the dollar is going down. And so the value of the dollar is going down. And that dollar is sitting in your pocket diminishing in value. But of course that's in your pocket or supposedly in your digital bank account. Um, because you've gone off the trail uh, 
the, uh, of righteousness decades and decades and decades ago. You've just been compounding that. You know, the Federal Reserve it was a huge mistake. But you can blame it on the guys on Jekyll Island <laughs> and think that we're going to overthrow these guys and we're going to change things. And No, it's you were eating of the tree of knowledge. You were slothful in the ways of righteousness. And your doom was signed a long time before that. And you've just been signing and signing and signing away your rights on a regular basis because you don't understand the law of nature. Uh, and we'll, we'll mention a little bit the common law because some people are, that, that's in a second question that came from abroad as that some men are going after the common law to try to figure, they're seeing that the problem is there and, People are relating things that they saw in the writings where I show, like in the Covenants of the Gods, where I show what the problem is in a legal sense, in a, in a system sense. But I say right at the beginning of the book, there is no solution in this book. That wasn't what that book was for. But you have to understand the problem before you can get to the solution. The solution was more revealed in the history that I lay out and Thy Kingdom Comes, another book. All these books are free online. You can buy them, but they're free online as well. But uh, then I had to write a couple of supplements, The Higher Liberty, to deal with Romans 13 and, and put it into the context and contracts, covenants, and constitutions to understand that the Constitution is not your salvation. And of course, since... Our network goes outside of the United States. Uh, they don't all have those constitutions. But a great deal of our misunderstanding comes from the fact that we do not understand the law of nature and nature's God. Even the law of nature is sometimes referred to as divine will. And scientists, even atheistic scientists, are realizing that there is some sort of singularity, there is some sort of common intelligence, an intelligent design in nature. It's too, too complex to simply say that chemicals evolved into what we see today. And it's total vanity to even think that. But there is some sort of connection all the way through the universe and through all people and there is this singularity in creation and physics and everything. And there seems to be multiple dimensions and they see all this stuff. Well, they, before you know it, they're describing the universe according to the Bible. Talking about heaven and hell, other dimensions. And the earth and this conflict between a third of the people from another dimension and to this dimension or into a lower dimension, who knows? It's not that specific in the Bible, but it's making references to things that physicists are now beginning to believe is true. But that's all way out there. What we need to understand is how are we going wrong? And, and one, one of the, the basics is the fact that we're eating of the wrong tree, but one of the mechanisms of going wrong is not understanding words, not understanding history, but when you finally understand history and words, you're going to see that you are eating of the wrong tree. Now, to approach the tree of life and eat of the tree of life, 
you're going to walk into the light that will also show you. And this is the painful part, is that you're going to see yourself as you really are. And that's not a really pretty sight. But if you are learn to forgive others, you may learn to forgive yourself. Stop being playing God. That's what God, that's why we hated the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so that we would be like God. We would be God ourselves. Now even Jesus says ye also are gods, but in what sense does he mean that? Gods are ruling judges. You have the right to make decisions. And basically all the decisions you make will be the result of eating of the tree of life, the Holy Spirit, revelation, tapping into the singularity, you say it lots of different ways, receiving the Holy Spirit, being born again from above. All these are different ways of saying the same thing. Or you're going to decide it egotistically yourself, putting yourself at the center and making yourself more important and make your decision accordingly. That will lead to destruction. That will lead to death. But that is your choice. And it will manifest in trillions of different ways. And whole societies are making choices. And they're, they're becoming subject to things. And uh, when I was just getting ready for the program, not that long ago <laughs> this morning, I got up somewhat early and uh, uh, I, I clicked, I went to, Load some documents I'm printing out, about 50 pages of legal documents that I'm printing out, which uh, we, I'm not going to explain here, but, you know, some people are trying to go to common law, like I mentioned, and legal, which is part of that second question, and they're trying to fix this thing in using those tools of law and legal systems and common law. And those are tools. But if you don't fix the spirit, don't change the way you're thinking. If you still think it's their fault, you're not going to be able to use those tools properly. Yeah, lots of people can own a hammer, but not very many people can build a house. The Bible talks about the need of carpenters. It actually says four carpenters. Why four carpenters? These are metaphors. There's a reason why there are four carpenters that you need to rebuild the system you need to free you from the system of bondage, the captivity and bondage that you now find, some of you are finding that you're in. Others are wallowing in and thinking they're freed, like the guy who jumped off the 50-story building for 49 stories. He thought he was flying. <laughs> but, but eventually... Reality kicked in when he met the sidewalk. So anyway, but I went and I was going to open up those documents and I use a particular software to do that. But if I just click on that software, it will open up a news page and then I can replace it with the documents. And I I knew that. But I said, something in me said, click it anyway. And right at the top of the news stories... I saw a news story that caught my eye like a flashlight. I looked at it, and that's what we're going to talk about when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom, the ideas of the Commonwealth. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, there's a there's a movie producer by the name of uh, Ken Lawrence Burns. Uh, he's been around for a long time. He makes a lot of documentaries, and uh, he made this one with uh, Mandy Patinkin, Patinkin, uh, who is uh, um, uh, um, was it Amigo Matoya? I did, I'm not getting his name right either. But he was in Princess Bride. Uh, you killed my father, prepared to die, uh, actor. And he's a pretty darn good actor. Uh, he's getting up there in age. But uh, he plays Benjamin Franklin in The Ideas of the Commonwealth. And they were being interviewed on uh, a late-night show. And uh, Mandy uh, Patinkin gave a stirring speech uh, uh, about what he thinks... You know, the Benjamin Franklin story is all about and this ideas of the Commonwealth and, and, uh, you know, the, the audience just applauded and everything like that. But, uh, in listening to and knowing who Ken Burns is, who is a, a raving liberal, uh, very supportive of every single Democratic candidate that's come along. Uh, he, and the way he spoke about the ideas of our commonwealth, as if we're all a commonwealth here in America. And commonwealth almost sounds like, uh, you know, um, socialism. Like uh, we all own wealth together. And we're, you know, we all control the wealth together. And that's not what a commonwealth is. <laughs> we'll take a look at what a commonwealth is. But... Uh, the speech uh, by Mandy Patinkin uh, reminds me of the actor Bob Baso. And uh, he did the We the People stimulus package uh, back there when they were crucifying the Tea Party. And uh, and he was supposedly fighting back and pretending to be Thomas Paine. You could, if you look up Bob Basso, B-A-S-S-O, and Thomas Paine, you'll find his video. But if you go to his Holy Church YouTube, which we have, uh, you and look for not my Tea Party. <laughs> You'll see my comments on it, and the ideas that he presented and are just so poisonous in this very dramatic emotional speech, pretending to be Thomas Paine. That uh, you know, I had to. I just immediately did a you know, I don't know, five seven minute video on. Uh, this actor, Bob Basil, uh, imitation of Thomas Paine. And uh, Thomas Paine is, you know, he's a complicated individual and uh, had lots of things. That, you know, th there are people who point out the fact that he eventually was pushing for attacks on everybody in the country to provide for a guaranteed income for the aged, for old people. And, of course, that's where it starts, where you have a guaranteed income for the old people through taxation. Then, before you know it, you're going to have a guaranteed income for the young people and the lazy people and the drunkards and the drug addicts and everybody. And that's where the, you know, the Democratic Party is, is taken and, and starting to go and they're talking about it, having this universal income. But really what, that is, is simply the same story way back before Christ, 150 years before Christ, where Polybius 
was saying the masses become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others, which is basically describing a covetous practice, which will make you merchandise, bring in rulers, which Polybius, you know, tyrants and despots, and uh, turn you, degenerate you as a society into perfect savages. That's what he said 150 years before Christ. And of course, that's why John the Baptist was saying, you don't take care of one another through forced taxation. You take care of one another through charity. Now, on Thomas Paine's side, eventually, he withdrew that last pamphlet and the support of it, which was asking for a universal tax on landowners to provide for a universal income for old elderly poor people because he was finding himself as an elderly poor person and suddenly that was important to him. But he retracted. They won't tell you that when they, you know, they start quoting Thomas Paine, even was for, you know, universal income. Uh, they won't give you the context. They won't tell you that he retracted that. And he lived out his life on charity. You know, a fairly uh, wealthy man, which there were a lot of wealthy men in America because it was because of the freedom that a lot of people could, you know, retire at 45. My own great great grandfather retired from farming wheat in North Dakota at 45. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, see, he was wealthy enough and he put numerous children to college. Uh, out of his own pocket because he was so wealthy. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, you're going to be less wealthy by the end of the show because of the the secret tax of inflation, which any economist could tell you was coming, although I, I saw on the news where the president said, no, inflation is good. <laughs> well, it's good for whatever he's thinking. And I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, but it's, you're gonna be poor. You're gonna end up owning nothing and you, you will be happy. According to Klaus Schwab. <laughs> so, I don't think you'll be happy. But, uh, that's what they, they're appealing to your emotions and that you don't see the lack of logic as they climb around in the tree of knowledge. Cause you can never, once you're in that tree of knowledge, you can't see the other side of the tree. You you can't see way over here. You can't see way over there. You're in there and you can only see... And even the super genius can't see the whole tree. But if you're over there in the tree of life, you'll know. No, you just have to go here. And that, going back to answer the original question, is how did I go down this road? Yeah, I, And we have a page at Preparing You on Meditation. That's what you have to do is learn to be still. And you also have to learn to be forgiving and charitable. Care about others as much as you care about yourself. Don't care about yourself more than you care about others. Including the rich. You have to care about the rich as much as you have to care about the drug addict. You have to care about your friends and your enemies equally. Doesn't mean you're going to be doing the same thing for them because you want to only, it's only charity if it strengthens them. If it weakens them, it's an opiate. It's a drug. 
So you have to understand these, and I'm, I'm making reference to that as we go along. But that stirring emotional speech by Mandy was appealing to your emotion. And if you lack knowledge, which is from that tree of knowledge, and you have this emotion, you can be led down a primrose path to destruction. And, uh, you know, during uh, the speech by uh, Bob Bezos, he's... And I, I know all kinds of people, this is why I had to do it. I heard all these people were talking about it and they were sharing it and everything and they thought it was so great and everything. In that speech, he said all kinds of things bad. Too long a list to even mention, but uh, maybe I'll find the time to go through that again in detail to show you. But the reason I'm showing you these things is show you how easily you are fooled. If you go and watch that actor Bob Bezos imitating Thomas Paine in his Tea Party speech, you'll, you listen to him and see what you think. And if you think, well, that sounds pretty good. Well, now I'm going to give you a few hints. As to, he wants to abolish the Electoral College and give the vote back to the people. It never was to the people. It was always to the Electoral College. It wasn't, you're not giving it back to the people. And you got to remember that even the people didn't even vote on the Constitution of the United States. Because they were not a party to it. You go read our contracts, covenants, and Constitution. The people weren't a party. We the people doesn't refer to the people of America. It refers to the people down at the bottom of the page. And eventually it referred to congressmen and senators and employees of the federal government. You know, but now you think we the people, that's us. Well, now it is you, because there's been changes, and you've changed your relationship to government. You've changed your relationship to government because you now look to government to get all kinds of benefits. Gifts and gratuities given to you by government, like free universal wages. So, yeah, he wanted to abolish the Electoral College, and he wanted to institute universal service. You had universal service in the bondage of Egypt. That's what the bondage of Egypt was. 20% of your labor belonged to the government. That was the bondage of Egypt. That's where you're at now. (laughs) Except for Joseph didn't make the deal. So you probably owe more than 20% of your labor in the bondage of Egypt. So... He also mentions no taxation without representation. That's not in the Declaration of Independence. Did you know that? doesn't say taxation without representation. It says taxation without consent. And uh, he said that Benjamin Franklin wanted a voice in our government. So that I guess so they could have representation. That wasn't what it was about. And, you know... Uh, these, you know, Benjamin Franklin had lots of problems, and uh, but he also was very smart. But he was often climbing around in the tree of knowledge. He had twenty-three illegitimate children. That's that's considerable. <laughs> but you know, there are extenuating circumstances. I'm not going to fault them for that. But a lot of people don't know that. But they don't know a lot of other things either. But this. 
the way that Ken Burns talks about his view of the commonwealth sounds like what we call one purse in Proverbs. Or the proverbial dainties of rulers. Because that's really what socialism is. Socialism is you're going to elect some sort of ruler or he's going to end up in power through usually not a vote of all the people but an electoral college. That's what they do like in the Soviet Union. They, they, uh, you know, you get, everybody gets to vote but you used to only be one candidate. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, now everybody's talking about defending uh, the Ukraine but the Ukraine just put 11 of the opposition party leaders in jail. Uh, so, but you can have a vote. <laughs> but the, uh, you can only vote for me. But we've, we've solved that problem with what uh, the Tweedledee and Tweedledum of politics, which we'll get into later. But let's, I mentioned the one purse. So where's that from? Right away in Proverbs, which is like the, like a book of wisdom, you know, uh, it mentions uh, a woman more than any other book in the Bible because this is supposed to be the woman is always this creature of wisdom and uh, we should have an affair with wisdom uh, but it has to be the wisdom of God and that's again eating of that tree of life but in Proverbs 1 verse 10 we'll just start there my son if sinners entice thee consent thou not if they say, come with us, you know, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave. The whole of those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our house with spoils. Well, that sounds terrible. We wouldn't do that, right? Just like Samuel. The, yeah, you can have a king, but this is the king you'll have. He'll, he'll take and take and take and take and take and take and take. And when you cry out, God will not hear you. And they said, yeah, we'll have that. <laughs> well, somehow either I, I don't know if people actually understood what Samuel was saying or something. Something went wrong in the translation. Because why would they do that? Uh, well, because somebody else was probably giving these emotional speeches that we see coming from uh, Mandy and from Bazo. And uh, they were getting all excited, but they didn't know what they were getting all excited about. Because he did mention that we'd have, find all precious substance and we shall fill our house with spoils. <laughs> and they thought, well, no, we'll have all this precious substance. That's only appealing if you're more important than the others that you swallow up alive. And then you won't even hear the part about swallowing up people alive. But he goes on to say, cast in thy lot, because this is the sale. Cast in thy lot amongst us. Let us all have one purse. That's the commonwealth. That's not really what a commonwealth is. But I think that's what uh, Ken Burns, the way he's using it. Our commonwealth. Because by his voting record and $40,000 given to the Democratic Party and his promotion of all the things Democratic, 
which are not really democratic. That's what the amazing thing is. Is that, I mean, they, to some degree they are. Democracy is 51% of the people can take away the rights of the other 49. And if 51% of the people have degenerated to the point where they are greedy and for gain, and uh, in other words, they uh, they all want to have one purse, tax the rich so that we can all have free stuff, well, yeah, now you're in trouble. But he goes on in verse 15, My sons, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of the bird. Okay, so he's talking about a net here. Spread in the sight of the bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. So, the net they are creating, this one person they are creating, it's going to capture them. That's what he's saying. You're going to be captured in that. You've set the rule. As you judge, so shall you be judged. You judge, it's okay to take away from somebody who has more than you. Not love that person. But take away from that person. And everybody who joins that one person, they've all agreed that it's okay to take away from somebody who has more than you. And eventually you get down where they take away everything from you. And you have nothing. And you'll have, you'll be happy because you'll have what you wanted. One purse. And, but you, you also be sad. <laughs> because it's not going to work out well for you. Because your own blood will be forfeited. You will have taken a bite out of one another until you are devoured. New Testament. Same principle going on there. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. The masses that Polybius was talking about who are accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. Now he says, Wisdom crieth out. Wisdom is mentioned in this book more than any place else. Wisdom crieth out. She uttereth her voice. Again, it's a female characteristic, this wisdom. In the streets, she cries out. She crieth in the chief places of concourse, in the openings of the gates, In the cities she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in the scorning. And fools hate knowledge. So knowledge is a part of this, and this is why I'm giving you this knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will... Make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. If the churches back in 1901 were doing what they were supposed to, saying what they were supposed to, 
preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ instead of the gospel of a church, the doctrines of a church, the doctrines of a religion, or I should say, make it clear, a doctrine of a religious institution, but instead preach that doctrines of Jesus. This would have never got off the ground. But you weren't listening to the counsel of God. You were listening to guys who would tickle your ears and tell you that you're saved already because you saved yourself with a thought. How powerful is that? With your own thinking, you have saved yourself. You thought you repented, but you did not repent. You're still thinking what Adam thought. Thought he could decide what is good and evil. Based on his own mind. His own thinking. No, he can't. He needs the tree of life to show him, you know, what to click on. <laughs> what not to click on. Now, the, the Democratic Party are, are the ones who want the, to entice you and to consent to one purse and eat the dainties of kings, which also is talked about in Proverbs, in Proverbs 23. Uh, but the Republican Party is cut with a similar jib. And, you know, a jib is a sail and it has, it guides you and, you know, if you, the cut of your jib will determine the angle of your tacking in, against the wind of God. <laughs> and, and the Democrats are, are tacking at a much sharper jib, but the, uh, Republican Party is, uh, they have a easier jib. They're still going against the wind, but they're not quite as fast. So it will take you longer to get to hell. <laughs> so anyway, and so I refer to them as the Tweedledum and Tweedledee, which I earlier in the program I mentioned Tweedledum and Tweedledee, which are characters from uh, Alice in Wonderland's uh, Through the Looking Glass kind of. Thing, but uh, there's the poetry of it is, you know, Tweedledum and Tweedledee agreed to have a battle. For Tweedledum said Tweedledee had spoiled his nice new rattle. <laughs> and you could do it either way. Just then flew down a monstrous crow as black as a tar barrel, which frightened both the heroes so they quit. Forgot that they quite forgot their quarrel. Well, I guess today Putin is the black crow. Tomorrow it'll be somebody else. And uh, you always have to have this black crow, this evil, you know, monster that is the enemy of us all and that unites the fools <laughs> to a single place of destruction. Don't go that way. Seek the tree of life. And the tree of life requires that you seek the truth about yourself because the tree of life is going to give you the power to see the truth about the world, about the words in the Bible, about the words in history, about the words you're hearing on the news. How do you know that somebody is lying on the news? By the information they give you? Uh, And I've told this story. I was working at somebody's house hanging a storm door on their back door and uh, the rancher who was inside, you know, he's 
well in his 70s by then, uh, was listening to the news. And I could not make out a single word in the news. I could hear somebody speaking, came on the news, that somebody that they were interviewing or, or recorded part of his speech. And I could hear the voice, but I could only hear the tone. I couldn't make out the words. I was too far away. I suddenly was compelled to stand up, walk through the house, walk into the room where he was watching TV and looked at the TV. And I said to him as I walked in and heard the first few words of the guy, I said, that guy's a liar. (laughs) He's not telling you the truth. And guess who it was? It was the beginning of Bill Clinton's rally for the presidency when he was going to run for president. I could tell it when I couldn't make out a single word he was saying. Why can't everybody else? It's not because I'm eating of the tree of knowledge, but I'm eating of the tree of life. You need to also be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about the ideas of the Commonwealth. We do have a community call. I try to get on it. I often miss. I've got it set in my alarm, but it's on Sunday. If you join the network at hisholychurch.org or preparingyou.com, you'll get notices of that, where to call in and how to get on the call. If I get on there or one of the other ministers, they can often answer some of your questions. Uh there's a lot of people in the network, not nearly as many as there should be, <laughs> but it's up to the people to organize themselves in a free assembly uh, through the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded. You didn't know he commanded that? That the ministers were to make the people do that before there were loaves and fishes. And so that's coming on in history. I think this is a really good time to start that. So we've created a email network where you can join uh, in your local area, uh, maybe in a particular state or a particular country. And as the numbers get up, we can create more of those groups. But, of course, the purpose of those groups, uh, which cover the whole world, no matter where you are, there's a group to get on. And But the purpose is to find other people that are beginning to wake up that there's a problem and there's a solution. And the distance between that problem and the solution can be crossed through a maze of misunderstanding with the help of the Holy Spirit. There are some people that have gone the route to some degree already so they know where the quicksand is and they know where the poison plants are and they know where the rattlesnakes and the copperheads and the uh, coral snakes and the water moccasins are. <laughs> so, uh, which all, I grew up in Houston on the bios in Texas and I, I had those in my play place all the time. <laughs> so, so I know where some of those things are, including the quicksand and the giant snappers and alligators which I've been within three or four feet to an eight-foot alligator who could have swallowed me as a boy, <laughs> but did not. Fortunately, I didn't know it at the time, but the Holy Spirit was walking right behind me, evidently, and scared the bejesus out of that crocodile. <laughs> so, Anyway, but we're talking about the ideas of the commonwealth that were mentioned by this Ken Burns and uh, this one purse, which is mentioned in Proverbs, 
And uh, it's really all the same thing the way he uses the word commonwealth, which we will take a look, a little bit of a look at what the actual definition of that word is. But I mentioned that not only does the proverb warns you about one purse, uh, which will snare you, Peter warns about that as well through covetous practices, and that's what the one purse is. You desire, you desire to fill your house with the spoils of other people's houses by taking away from anybody who has more than you. Unfortunately, there's always somebody who has less than you, so they can take away from you too. And then you're all biting one another because you all think you're more important than the other guy, or at least some of the other guys. Now, you'll see in the Democratic Party, and I don't want to pick on the party, this progressivism, this progressive socialism, that, that they are the charitable ones. They are the ones who love everybody and want to make sure that everybody is taken care of. They will weaken the poor. They want to take care of everybody else with other people's money, not with their own. It's always amazing when you see extremely rich people promoting socialism. <laughs> and that's so they, well, I don't give to the poor, but I promote socialism, and that will take care of the poor. And, uh, you know, it's it's the same old, same old. But in Proverbs, they also talk about the dainties of rulers. You know, so we know that we're not to fall prey to the enticements of those to say, let's all have one purse. And the Tweedledums and Tweedledees of politics all say that. Uh, except for maybe a little bit of Ron Paul. <laughs> but everybody else says it. It's just a d- degree uh, to which they want to do it. And uh, the speed at which they want to do it. But there's also... The, the dainties of rulers, which you find in Proverbs 23, 1. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meats. The Bible talks about those deceitful meats. Uh, John the Baptist says, you know, if you have two coats and your neighbor has none to share your extra coat, that's what you should do. That's charity. Now, you you get to do that at your discretion and that's what makes you a God. (laughs) You're a God over the stuff that you produce. You get to decide what to do with that. Share or not share. Share with this guy, but not with that guy. You get to make that decision. Now, you could still be wrong in that decision, but you have the right to make that decision. Not in socialism. Socialism, you've lost that right to make that decision because you are willing to take it away from somebody else. You could tell me all day long, oh, I was only going to take it away from the really rich guys. Yeah, it doesn't matter. As you judge, so shall you be judged. And everybody is really rich to somebody. So anyway. So he says, if you have this appetite, you're supposed to put a knife to your throat and be not desirous of his dainties. And of course, Jesus said, you're not to be like the rulers of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. They're rulers. 
and they say they're benefactors, but they're really only giving you what they took away from somebody else or borrowed against the future of your children. You're not supposed to be doing that. But I think Burns believes you can do that if you have a commonwealth. But anyway, the Proverbs goes on to say, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, that greedy eye, that covetous eye, who desires stuff from others. Neither desire thou his dainty meats, which in the New Testament they call rewards of unrighteousness. They also call it wages of unrighteousness. In the Greek, it's the same word, reward or wages. It's the same word. But they translate it two different ways. I don't know, for whatever reason. The unholy spirit guided them (laughs) in translating that. So you might not notice it. And the ministers skip right over it. Don't even talk about what are the wages of unrighteousness. What is the Corbin of the Pharisees? For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You think it's okay to take away from that guy so that you can be have more stuff to eat and drink and pleasure or whatever. But that's he thinks that's okay, saith he thee, but his heart is not with thee. It's not with you. He doesn't care about you. If he cared about you, he wouldn't be a rich man, a powerful man, trying to exercise authority. He'd be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ didn't come because he cared about him. He came because he cared about you. Klaus Schwab doesn't care about you. He cares about Klaus Schwab. And so do all these other guys who want to take away from others. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Speak not in the ears of fools. That's what I'm told. But I'm speaking on the radio. I'm sure there's a couple of fools out there listening. For he will despise the wisdom thy of thy words. Remove not the old landmarks and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. So what what do they talk about? The field of the fatherless. For their redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. Well, we can go into that. But let's get to this word commonwealth. What what does that word mean? You know, I mean, you can you can look it up in a lot of different dictionaries. And, uh, let's see, I had one dictionary here that, uh, oh, well, uh, a legal dictionary, uh, the Farlax, uh, by Farlax, uh, says that Commonwealth, an independent country or community, especially a democratic republic. A democratic republic is an oxymoron. <laughs> so there is no such thing as a democratic republic. Well, there is now, but it's just a name. It abuses the word republic and venerates the word democracy. And democracy, the same guy Polybius who warned that the people would become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others and degenerate into perfect savages finding once more a monarch and a king also said democracies always fail. 
Why? Because he knows that humans are humans. And when 51% of the people can take away the rights of the other 49, they will. Especially if they do not love their neighbor as themselves. They will say that they're doing it because they love their neighbor as they take away from the rich. But the reality is their neighbor was the rich guy too. And, and they're, you know, a philosophy I've heard actually uh, quite a bit in the last week or so talking about the fact that the tendency of capitalism is to centralize capital in the hands of a few and the rest of the people are poor. Well, that's only the tendency of capitalism when you're not following the ways of the kingdom. Because the ways of the kingdom don't allow that to happen. It allows the, the distribution of wealth through voluntary charitable practices. Because there is no legal charity, which is what Jesus was talking about when he said to not be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. He was talking about those rulers who provide legal charity. In other words, they force the contributions of the people and they give to the poor. And people who like the idea of forcing other people, don't care about other people's rights, they will like that. That will appeal to them. They will be drawn towards that. Because they think that's a good thing. But they think that's a good thing because they don't eat of the tree of life. And they will be the same ones who go caring on you and, and, and complain about everybody. And this is also, I find, amongst the people that are waking up and realizing that they're in bondage, they're seeing their governments as the totalitarian despotism that they should not be. And they say, there's something wrong here. And they try to find a solution. The solution is repent. In other words, the solution is to think differently. Because the way you've been thinking, the way your fathers thought, the way your grandfathers thought, has brought you to this precipice of destruction. So now you have to think differently, but how, differently how? I mean, lots of people can think differently. So this commonwealth is an independent country or community. There. Did you catch that? Country or community. A community can be a commonwealth. And now they say, now this is a recent legal dictionary, Democratic Republic. But in an article talking about commonwealth versus state, it says that commonwealth has several different meanings. And it is often capitalized. It can refer to a federation of states. Australia is designed as a commonwealth in that this way. In other words, it's a... It's not a commonwealth in some ways, but in one way as a federation of states. States are countries. Even after the ratification of the United States Constitution, the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. That is a direct quote out of Clark's summary of U.S. American law. The states were separate countries. When you had the Articles of Confederation, the states were separate countries. Because it was a confederation. And in that sense, you could call it a commonwealth. But Virginia had no hand in the pocket of Massachusetts. It didn't have that kind of power. So it wasn't, it wasn't a commonwealth like a progressive socialist state. 
you know, self-governing uh, territories like Puerto Rico and uh, Northern Mariana Islands, which are possessions of the U.S., which is a fascinating idea in itself, are designated as commonwealths. Even though they're a possession of somebody else, they're called a commonwealth. British commonwealth. Commonwealth of nations. There, there's a commonwealth of nations. Separate nations, but they call it a commonwealth because, because they have some agreements between them. So these are, are, are with somebody. Like in the case of Puerto Rico and uh, Northern Mariana Islands. They're, they're far, far apart. They don't necessarily have agreements between them, but they have agreements with the U.S. because they're territories of the U.S. But the Bible tells you to have no agreements, no covenants, no contracts with them or their ruling judges, their gods. But anyway, but in the context of the U.S. and its 50 states, the word commonwealth is simply used as another word for state. In the official name, names of four particular states. Four particular states are commonwealths, but only in name. It's Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Virginia, Massachusetts. They, they're commonwealths. But it's they're not really commonwealths, or they weren't originally when they took on that name. But they called it that. Because were they a union? Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and Virginia, and Massachusetts, did, did they have an agreement between them when they were first states called commonwealths of Massachusetts, of Pennsylvania? No. The states were republics. They weren't democratic republics. They were republics. And then you have to look up the definition of republic at that time. Because today they'll tell you that a republic is a representative form of government. Well, representative in what sense? They do pick representatives, but do they take representative, do they elect representatives to rule over them? Well, they do now, but that's not what they did originally. That's why the Constitution of the United States never had to be put to a popular vote. Because the people weren't a party to it. This is just an agreement with the states, and the states were titular in relationship to the rights of the people. The people created the states. The states did not create the people. But they have recreated the states... And they have recreated the United States by their actions for a century or more. They have been changing their relationship with the states. So you can, you can find another definition. We go way back on our way back machine, go back to an older dictionary. Commonwealth means government. A commonwealth is properly a free state. A republic having a popular or representative government. So now you have to find out what's the difference between a popular government and a representative government. And what do they mean by free state or republic? Well, then you have to go look up the word republic. Now, if you go to preparing you, and we won't go into all of it here. We have, we show you the definition of a republic at one time. Definition of a republic at another time and what you would get if you looked up republic on Google. (laughs) And if you change the definition of those words, 
does it change what a republic was in 1776? No. It doesn't. It's the definition at a given point in time. So understanding all that, this is the tree of knowledge. How confusing. You say, well, oh, this is all too complicated. Well, it's all too complicated for some people who can't juggle more than two or three ideas in their mind at the same time. But really smart people can do that. But really smart people can also be lost in the tree of knowledge. Because they can't juggle the whole tree at once. And so they can be fooled. But if you're over there in the tree of life, eating from the tree of life, saying like, is this true? Or is this not true? Should I do this? Should I do that? And you're asking this singularity, God, Holy Spirit, whatever. You may get a completely different answer than your rational brain will come up with. And that's really where you want to go if you want to be free. Is you have to see yourself as you really are. Which is going to bring in repentance. You're going to change the way you think. That will change the way you think when you see the truth about yourself. Once you see the truth about yourself, you can go out and see the truth about the world. Well, because we live in time and space, that's an ongoing process. You see a little bit of the truth about yourself, you go out in the world and you see a little bit more truth about the world. Then you go back and see a little bit more truth about yourself and then you go back and see more truth about the world. And this is why I think meditation is really important to everybody. But in the second definition, well, let's see, we could actually finish that. Uh, the term has been applied to the government of Great Britain. It is not applicable to absolute governments. The more government power you have, the less it's a commonwealth. <laughs> Yet, I'm pretty sure that Burns thinks the more power the government has to decide what you get to keep and what you get to not keep, the more of a commonwealth you are. But that's that's a progressive lost in the tree of knowledge. The states composing of the United States are properly so many commonwealths, it says in this d- definition, that is, is from Bovier's, which is way back. But they're using that word commonwealth not in the progressive sense of everybody owns the same thing. I mean, what was the year of Jubilee? supposed to do in the Old Testament. Because this problem has been around for thousands of years. You can go back and read the Book of the Dead from Egypt. Which is actually, the Book of the Dead is to help you come back to life. (laughs) The Book of Life, I'm not sure what that's supposed to do. But anyway, the Book of the Dead is supposed to help bring you back to life. And in it, it says the kingdom of heaven is within you. That's what it says. It says, that's the translation. I mean, it's hieroglyphic. But it basically says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And when you know yourself, the truth about yourself, the kingdom of heaven will be revealed. It goes on to say that. And of course, that's what Christ was saying. I'm not going to say he was quoting the book of the dead, but these principles have been universal. But what happens is that those evil men with the evil eye get them all jumbled up, which they can easily do, which is, you know, what the jab is doing. I, I, one of the people that is in the other country, the, the guy who asked these original questions, he has a pay, page, um, 
in uh, Telegram. And uh, he's been accumulating a lot of information about shedding. And I I went through a little bit of that last night, uh, one or early this morning. And uh, uh, I saw Robert Malone had to reorganize his thinking about shedding. He thinks that we need to do serious research because there's a great deal of evidence that those people who get jabbed are affecting those people who don't get jabbed. And now we've even got documentation coming out of Pfizer where they admit this. They warn about exchanging body fluids. And uh, because of the fact that you can, people who haven't been jabbed can contaminate people or can be contaminated by people who have been jabbed. And it's affecting people physically. And we can go into that at another time, but i just briefly mention it here. Uh, get on the network, ask the questions. I cannot read, I don't go to Telegram all the time. I, I was just miraculous that I even went there and saw that he addressed me with these questions. I, I'm on Getter and MeWe and all these different things, but... Uh, I can't, I, I can't be in more, at least so far I can't be in more than one place at one time. <laughs> and I can't read all these things. But if you get on the network and you ask a question that you think is, has valid, uh, uh, importance, instead of sending me private emails or telegrams or something, you're asking the question not just for you, but for all the other people that are on the network. That changes the whole dynamic of your question. And I know that that dynamic is in a lot of people, but we have to strengthen it. And we strengthen it by doing, which is why Christ emphasized it's not those who say they believe or Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will of the Father. This is why I say you you meditate, you be still, you listen to what God has to tell you, and mostly what he's going to reveal is what has already got inside you that shouldn't even be there. And then as you see these things, forgive yourself, forgive others, then you go out in the world and you turn what you're seeing into doing. This is this is part of the law of nature. And it won't do you any good to have the legal information that we can share with you, which is why we don't talk about it all the time on the radio shows. Although we have a lot of it in the book, but you have to get into the footnotes and then you have to do what we just did where you have to know the word why popular government and representative government. What's the distinction? Democracy versus a republic and the oxymoron of a democratic republic. What does that mean? It's, it's recipes. Words are recipes. They're symbols of ideas, but those ideas are the ingredients of the recipe of thought. But if you're mixing them all over there in the tree of knowledge, it's going to become confusion. But over in the tree of life, this is one of the debates that I was talking about where I said we'd go look at this this uh, other uh, conversation that I had with the home churcher, which is uh, uh, spirit versus mind. That it, can a genius, can a smart guy with a high IQ get into the kingdom easier than a, a, a simple person? No, it's absolutely the reverse. It's easier for the simple person. But uh, it's no guarantee either way. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, 
you know, I was pointing out that uh, the smart guy, the rich man in intelligence, uh, the genius, it may be harder for him to get into the kingdom of heaven than the rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. What is what, what, what did Jesus say? The rich man, it is harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven uh, than to get to to get a camel through the eye of the needle. And now there's a lot of different stories about this, but I've, I've read lots of them and I've done a lot of research. So my conclusion is the correct story that is related to explaining this parable of Jesus Christ is that walled cities, even walled, uh, you know, I talked uh, last week about, you know, a camel traveling uh, from one part uh, uh, of the country all the way over to, like, Jerusalem. I think it's Syria to Jerusalem. I can't remember where the other place was. It was 600 denarii, which is like 600 dimes, uh, in expenses. And, of course, you're going to stop along the way at, you know, spaced out uh, roadside rests where there's a wall around it and you can bring your stuff in and... Uh, it's protected. It's not easy. You're not easily robbed. Otherwise, somebody could sneak up at night and steal stuff, or slit your throat, or what have you. So they were safe places. Usually, there was water there, etc. And you could stop at those places, and you had to pay something. Uh, well, they closed the gates at night. When it got dark, they closed. The, they didn't have spotlights. They had to close the gates. And but there was still a little gate to the side that they could open up. And you could come in through that way. Well, you could come in too, but nobody else could get to it because it was really narrow, easily defended, easily protected. And uh, a lot of guys couldn't rush in at once. So you you could defend it and everybody could get roused up and wake and defend the thing. And that was called the eye of the needle because it was, you, you, you had to, you know, a fat guy would have a hard time getting to it. You squeeze it, squeeze them through. Well, you can't get a camel through at all, probably, in most cases. I mean, they're not all the same, but you can't get a camel through that because a camel's just too big. You can't get a camel through at all carrying its burden. So you have to take off the burden. You have to unload. A camel can carry about 600 pounds. So you have to take off all those packs and the saddles and everything like that. you got to get the camel down on his knees. And then you, if you try to get them through, you're going to have to whip them and whip them to get them to crawl through this little tiny space. And he's going to skin up his sides as he tries to get through. <laughs> and so when Jesus said that, that was humor. Anybody who pictured that, of the having to strip all your wealth away, have to get on your knees in a humble position, and get whipped a little bit even at that to get you through. Because the camel's not going to go through on his own. So you're going to have to kind of make life difficult for him. On this side of the wall. So that he goes over to the other side of the wall. <laughs> so Jesus is telling you something about how the, your sacrifice. What, what does he say? No greater love does a man have than to lay down his life for his fellow man. Take off the burden of his wealth for his fellow man. I mean, you don't all have to end up in sackcloth and everything. But the more you sacrifice, really sacrifice. I mean, a rich man gives $100,000, but he has millions of dollars. 
That's like a poor man giving ten bucks. You know, so what's his greater? And he tells you, he has a whole proverb about that, the widow's might. You know, he gave half of everything he had. He still was ten times, a thousand times richer than the widow lady. So she gives a penny. Who gave more? In in the singularity of God, in the law of nature, she gave more. Because she gave not from her abundance, but from her want. Can you do that? The rich man finds that hard to do. Well, a smart man finds that hard to do. Because <laughs> he prides himself in his intelligence. That's his wealth. That's his strength. That's his riches. And then you come up and you say, no, you're not right. We had a history teacher down here, down the road. He's passed away now. But uh, we would get into conversations about history. And I'd say, well, no, that's actually not true. <laughs> and I could cite him sometimes page numbers of works as well as actual documentation that shows that what he thinks is not true. And But he was in charge of teaching children for a pretty sizable amount of money and got a great pension. I've been... It, I've been teaching people and I have no salary. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I'm be- gr- uh, blessed by the grace of God to survive so far. And by my health, which is part of the answer to the question I'm coming up to next, um, I have survived to this point by the grace of God. Because nobody thought I would survive t- Till I was 20, and now I'm almost three quarters of a century old and still here telling you the truth. But I don't know if I'm speaking to fools or not, like Proverbs that I just quoted from. That That's up to you to decide. I know that I am driven to say what I say. And it's up to you to discover the Holy Spirit yourself. So anyway, uh, this, this fellow in the other country, I... I sent to his telegram messages to me to take a look at, but he said that the conversation that we'd had up to that point has helped him clarify his situation, but then he did ask some questions. He says, I've been wondering how you're, you experience coming to the knowledge contained but effectively hidden in the Bible. It's not really hidden in the Bible. It's in plain sight. But there are people who tried to obscure it. And some of those translations and many of the ministers who tell you what the translations mean. But I mean, there's enough there that you, you know that through covetous practices, they will make merchandise of you. That's, that's New Testament. That's Peter. That's after the resurrection. And, and common sense tells you that desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor is a covetous practice. So all this, all this stuff about having one purse, it's not hidden. One purse. Let us all have one purse. Let's all have, you know, I don't want to use the word commonwealth because you'll think that's actually what the word means, but we all have our wealth in common. It's not a commonwealth. That, you know, it's like you're you're on this ship of state. You, you may have different beliefs in different etc and you're just a passenger you're not a crew member you haven't signed the 
uh, deals, but actually most of you have. Um, but you may not be of all one spirit. So he, he's so it's not really hidden. I mean, Jesus did talk to the apostles about the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but those mysteries are right before us. You know, he talks about that. You can see the weather. You can see it coming. You can see the climate change. You can see the seasons coming. And you know, why can't you see the kingdom? Because it's hidden in the Bible? No. Because you're not living of the Spirit. So what do you do to get closer to the Spirit? To have the eyes of Christ instead of the eyes of the wicked ones desiring you to consent to take a bite out of one another. He says, did it hit you hard? No, I was, uh, that, that you had been singled out. Uh, I wasn't really singled out. Basically chosen. Well, maybe I was chosen. I don't know anything about that. I know I knew something was wrong. And I know out on the desert, I knelt down and said, I don't get it. I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. I, you know, in and out of following the Spirit. I mean, where, I, what brought me here was following the Spirit. I can go back. Years and years before, when I was meditating consistently, working, I was managing two restaurants and uh, uh, working long hours. And but when I came home, I would meditate. When I would meditate during the day, and what and it's basically the meditation we talk about at preparing you. And suddenly, I realized very strongly this spirit, which I had listened to since I was seven, from time to time, said, "It's time to leave." It's kind of like Abraham. Uh, he had to leave his nativity. And uh, so I I got rid of my apartment. I gave notice at my job. I went back and lived with my folks for a couple of weeks till everything was all cleared up. And I loaded up my Jeep and I headed out. And people asked me, my mother actually asked me at 4 o'clock in the morning, where are you going? And I had no clue. I had not asked the tree of knowledge what that was. I asked this still small voice inside me, which isn't a voice. I don't hear voices. But I asked in my heart, I don't know. I wonder where I am going. And I kind of turned one way in one different direction, standing there in the driveway and said, kind of north by northeast. (laughs) Because that's what it felt like. It felt like my heartstrings were pulling me in that direction. Now, I had already lived a lot of life of service to other people, but I would gotten angry, I had been selfish, I had been all these other things, but I was dealing with that, seeing myself more and more. Lots of little stories of this, and I'm sure many of you out there have done the same thing. But you have to continue that. That's a journey. Like I say, the destination is the journey. You're not going to find the destination in an infinite kingdom. You're going to find the journey towards that singularity, towards that God. So anyway, and uh, then she asked me, well, what are you going to do? And I had never asked that question. I just knew I was to go. Now, that's crazy for an intellect. When we used to travel uh, trips with the family, I would map out every stop, every gas station, every motel <laughs> Uh, hour by hour, minute by minute, I wasn't always really good about that because the roads conditions changed and we didn't always make the same amount of time. But that was the kind of person I was. All, everything had, I had to know every little detail. 
That's the intellectual side. I had to turn that off. I had to do that when I was lost at sea. I was lost in the Canadian North Woods. I had to turn that off and listen to the Holy Spirit. I learned to make the distinction between the two. It's still a challenge every day and every moment to make that distinction. And the thing that brings you closer and closer to making that distinction is a sacrificial life of time and energy, of caring about others, of forgiveness. You have to forgive your enemy. The people that brought you into bondage, you have to forgive them. You cannot hold them in contempt. You cannot, you cannot get to the kingdom with anger and resentment. That's the baggage you have to unload. The emotional resentment. And it, it pops up. It's there. You find out, oh, I didn't even know that was in my pocket. <laughs> so, so, uh, it was actually a very non-emotional, very still moment. I could tell you all kinds of different steps in this process, but basically it was letting go. Letting go of the burdens of trying to do it with my own will and effort. Uh, and I still want to have to do physical work, which I still doing because I, I don't collect social security. I don't have any other, you know, automatic income. Uh, I don't get a salary or anything like that. So I have to go out and do manual labor. At three quarters of a century old, I'll probably still be doing manual labor. Some of that is great. I need that to get away from this desk. Uh, but, the reality is, is uh, there's labor and hardship in that. But if it is sacrificed willingly, it puts you into a different spiritual realm. If you are selfish, if you are unforgiving, if you are greedy for gain, if you are covetous, all these things that are not virtuous, it will it will be a burden that will not allow you into the kingdom. It will keep, you have to unload those things to get into the kingdom. Uh, and at times, yeah, it's a difficult process. I'm just answering his questions as I'm running down the list here. Uh, and yes, it is altering, life altering. But, you know, for a guy who should have been dead already, life altering is still good. <laughs> because because uh, it's still life. It's altered life. But uh, I've gotten to the point where I have nothing <laughs> and I'm happy. Because that's, you know, as you get farther into this, you'll understand why Jesus said you had to give everything away that you have. It doesn't mean that you're standing around in your BVDs and you're broke and starving and hungry and all that stuff. It means that you're not possessive of these things. And yeah, I don't own anything in my own name. And that's part of those legal documents that, well, they've been around for years and years and years. There's a whole history of that. I won't go into that. It'll take us off track too much. But, you know, the reality is he was talking about uh, large groups of people are studying the common law and affidavits and thinking that they have uh, one foot in the system and one foot outside. And, you know, I've seen that where people, you know, they create trust and then they run around the table and then they control the trust. And they say, well, I gave all my stuff away. No, 
You can't do that. That doesn't work. I know I can name you guys in jail today because they thought that was true. It's wishful thinking and it's thinking over there in the tree of knowledge. You don't want to be doing that. But it doesn't mean that you can't use the tools of legal contracts, of legal agreements. Now, are you contracting away your right to choose or are you actually giving your right to choose, uh, giving other people their right to choose? Let's put it that way. You're not giving your right to choose away. You're giving a right to choose to other people. You're giving other people their right to choose. That's the goal. That's what you do when you give a burnt offering. And we explain this in our articles in Thy Kingdom Come and Sacrifice of sophistry. Uh, sacrifice of sophistry is when you start admitting that you have been fooled by sophistry into thinking something was true and it's not. That is a play on words, a, a triple play on words in the title. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what you, you do when you had a burnt offering is you gave up your right to choose what happens to this thing that you owned to somebody else, and you say, you decide what to do with it. You're giving the power to choose to somebody else. That's the absolute opposite of progressive socialism. Uh, yet, in progressive socialism, you're giving the right to choose to somebody else also. But that's not... Note the distinction. Again, the distinction. The kingdom of hell looks very much like the kingdom of heaven with some minor distinctions, with extreme difference in outcome. If you give your, you know, when the Israelites went into the bondage of Egypt, they gave 20% of their labor, the right to their labor, to the government. You did that with your social security number, or your social insurance number, etc. You gave a percentage of the right of your labor to your labor to a government, Australia, Canada, wherever. And you you sat down to eat at this one purse table where everybody gave in a portion of their labor. Now in Egypt, still under Mubarak, still to the day of Mubarak, uh, 20% of your labor belonged to the government. It wasn't 30%. You make a million, ten million dollars, that was the way it was. Now there were other little tricks they had in to get more revenue, but that was the way it was. In most other countries, it's progressive. They take more from the rich and less from the poor. And the poor love that. And in a democracy, that ends up destroying the whole nation. But that's because the people covet their neighbor's goods. And they don't love the rich man as much as they love the poor man. That's why you see so much of this. You know, the, you're almost put up on a pedestal if you're poor. <laughs> and you're thrown into a pit if you're rich, which is not very good incentive to a, a successful economy. <laughs> so if you're lazy and poor and useless, yeah, then you're special and you're going to get this. So anyway, uh, you know, my journey is is really important to me. Your journey is what you have to look at. And so, 
Learn to be still. Learn to forgive. Learn to care about others as much as you care about yourself. Turn around. Go the other way um, in thinking. And come together. And the reason you come together is to learn to care about your neighbor as much as yourself. And your neighbor is not just those in your congregation, but they're, they're, they're your actual neighbors, the people all around you. And you have to care about them enough to forgive. You have to care about them enough to attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. That's what Christ said. The Bible actually is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. It's no good for lazy people, selfish people, angry people, judgmental people, uh, people who care about themselves more than they care about their neighbor. That book won't do you any good. The intellectual has to set down all his preconceived notions and even at times set aside his whole intellect. And this is where the uh, discussion with the individual concerning spirit and mind is that he thinks that, no, we have our brains given so that we can be reasoned out these things and understand these things, etc., etc. No, the brain is a tool. You do not come to the truth through the rationale of your brain. Now, people say that somehow they think that I'm throwing the brain out like it has no value whatsoever. I Or reason out as if it has no value whatsoever. God is reasonable. Everything that God does is reasonable. Everything that takes place in the universe, even the wrath of God, which isn't God getting upset, it's the consequences kicking in for what you chose to do. And there's this lag in time. And so they call that arrival of the wrath of God, the consequences of your choices. That's what the wrath of God is. That there's a delay. You do this, it's set in motion. The wrath of God is on its way, but it may not hit. It's like the sidewalk to the guy, we've gone full circle now, the guy who jumps off the 50-story building, thinks he is flying, but he has actually put in motion the inevitable consequences of his action way back up there on the top of the building. When he arrives at the sidewalk, it's the wrath of God. <laughs> which is the consequences of the choice he made up at the top. And so, that's what's coming. So, if you want to change the outcome, somewhere in this brief time you have, where you've been in this free fall, you have to repent. You have to think differently. You have to start going this other way. You have to you know, forgive. And a lot of the people that are... We have a whole page on gurus. Uh, guru theories. I think you look that up. I think you can type in... There's a search engine there. I'm preparing you. And there's all kinds of guys. And it's an endless. I mean, I could just put all kinds of people in. And I'm not picking on those individuals that I mentioned. I'm trying to show you that the solution is the doctrines of Jesus Christ. The real doctrines of Jesus Christ. Not the doctrines you've been taught in your modern churches that have led you back into bondage. 
you know, America's supposed to be this Christian nation where all these people are, most people are Christians and they all go to church. And there was a huge amount of that, more so than today, back in 1900, 1913, 1933. 1933, I know, he passed away a long time ago, but I know his son really well. Pastors who said that the Social Security was the mark of the beast was preaching that. And he was explaining why. Pretty good. But uh, the fool will not hear it. They did not listen. But it was the choices they had made long before that led them to be that vulnerable. But anyway, we'll have to continue this more probably on that afternoon show because we're out of time. But join us on the network. Ask your questions there on the network. We will share with you as much as we have already put down. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.